Welcome to the Millionaire Secrets Podcast, where the most successful people in the world share their secrets to help you create the awesome life you desire. Welcome everyone to another episode of Millionaire Secrets. Jeff Lurie, your host, always so excited to get to be back with you today, having amazing conversations with amazing humans. Today, I am joined by an amazing human, Jack McCall. He's an extreme sports athlete turned financial coach. Interesting juxtaposition there. Reminds me of my friend, Mikey Taylor, who's a professional skateboarder turned real estate investors, kind of analogous and, and pretty awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, he's traveled the world and just settled down in Miami. And he kind of, I think, lives that life that most people look at and scratch their heads and like, uh, yeah, so how's that work exactly? Like, are you dealing drugs? Are you involved in organized crime? And no, oh, trust me, it's all perfectly legal and actually really cool. So Jack, welcome to the show. Jeff, what's up, man? I'm, I'm so happy to be here, man. I, you know, I just wing it with these intros and, and I've now suggested all kinds of things. So um, yeah, I appreciate you being here and, and maybe you can kind of help illuminate what I'm talking about. Like, you know, in our industry, we talk about this concept of like the digital nomad or the, you know, the freelancer who can kind of just come and go as they please. And as long as they have internet connection, seem to always figure it out. Like, is that, is that you? Am I summing it up right? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I think, you know, one, you need internet connection. Two, from my experience, you need access to the money. And then three, you need people to partner with. And okay. so I think when you combine those three things together, that's what really gives you more freedom, right? So I've been traveling the, the world for the last about year and a half now, lived in Bali for three months, Hawaii for a month, Mexico for about four months. And I just got a spot in Miami here this last week. And, you know, that full-time travel kind of came to an end just because I wanted to kind of get more back on the routine. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm right now. So I like that. You, you kind of mentioned a th like a, you know, let's call them three legs of the stool. Like the stool won't stand without these three, right? And it's, it's internet connection, which by extension means like a certain set of skills around how to leverage, you know, the digital economy, right? So we'll call it internet connection slash skills. And then it was capital. You got to have access to working capital or money. Yes. And then you, you talked about people to partner with, which was really like your network and, you know, the right connections. 100%, 100%. So I think like specifically when it comes to the capital, like the best way, the easiest way that I've found it possible to get access to large amounts of money has been through business credit cards. And just about 13 months ago, I got my first business credit card. And before then, you know, I only financed my businesses with my cash, you know, never any, you know, any credit. It was always my cash. And I always look at other entrepreneurs that were scaling so fast. I'm like, how the heck are they scaling so fast? Like, you know, they must have a lot of money to get going. And then I found out, you know, the power of business credit where you can borrow money for free from the banks and then use that money to, you know, start scaling. And then when I started to go to mastermind events, you know, that's when I'm able to, you know, start meeting other investors, other people to partner up with. So kind of combining all of that, I think has really helped me get to where I am. And, you know, just in the last 13 months, I was just approved for about $450,000 in, in business credit going from zero business credit cards to over $400,000. And so now I'm just on the journey of teaching other people on these same strategies. So you are, you know, if people are watching this on YouTube, they can see you're, you're fairly young. You're, I'm guessing what, like mid, late twenties? 
Yep, 27. 27, okay. Um, if you're listening on a podcast, you might not know that, but now you do. Jack's like under 30, you know. Now, I mean, do you come from a rich family or do you have a, a law degree I don't know about and you're actually a six-figure guy, like any of that? No, no lottery. Um, not wealthy parents. I'd say, you know, pretty middle class. My dad was an entrepreneur. He had a small software company. What I really admired about him, he really, like he never scaled his company to the next level, but he created a good amount of freedom so he can go on trips with his family. You know, that's what really, I really admired that about him. He worked on his own terms. It was just him. You know, he sold software, same thing for the last 25 years, likes doing cool things, but he really worked so hard just so he could have that freedom with his family, right? So that was at a young age, I really saw that. And I wanted to become an entrepreneur because I saw that work ethic and what he was able to do with his freedom. And that got me started in business at, I'd say, you know, pretty young age. I was selling skateboards back in high school, in college, at a video production company. And really, when I graduated school at University of Washington, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had a marketing degree, literally no idea what, what I wanted to do. Um, ended up getting a job at a social media company called Yik Yak. And then that contract ended. Same thing. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Maybe I had like $10,000 to my name. And, you know, it was very hard to start business, start a business with that little amount of money. And, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to, to create companies that was able to, you know, make some money and, you know, allow me to pay the bills, but it wasn't, you know, fast forward four to five years until I really, really had exponential growth. And I basically, you know, I found that through business credit cards. And so when you're talking about starting businesses, I know of of two, you had an e-commerce business that I know you scaled to seven figures pretty fast, like less than a year, if I if I read your your bio right. And then you had a travel company that you sold, and this is all stuff you built completely virtually, completely online, right? Hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. So I had a really big realization in the travel company actually, so that my brother and I we organized Cabo spring break trips for university students. Uh, pretty fun business. It was definitely hard to put together, but the trips were fantastic. Yeah. And the first two years were extremely hard for us. Like I was, you know, it was hard for us to compete against these map, these monster other companies. And right before the third year, um, we weren't leveraging credit, but we did leverage um, a large loan from someone that was very close to us. So we got this loan and it helped us get um, more hotel inventory and that allowed us to scale very fast and take uh, market share from our competitors. And basically after that third year, our competitor reached out to us to acquire our business. Mm -hmm. And so like, that was kind of the, the big aha moment to me. It's like, okay, if we can borrow money, we can scale so much faster. And in this scenario, it led to an acquisition, you know, yeah. um, either, you know, build to build to sell or build to automate. Um, in this scenario, we, we built and sold. But it really was like the big light bulb for me is like, okay, if we can borrow large amounts of money, we can move so much quicker. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's actually interesting. You say that literally probably 30 minutes before this, this um, episode, before I hopped on to talk to you, I was on with our CFO and we're putting a deal package together right now, submitting to three different banks to get working capital. Right. And like, we're, I mean, we're going, man, we've, we're scaling, we've got a lot of money in a lot of money out. It's not like we don't have cash, but frankly, you never really have enough. I mean, for us, I mean, the numbers don't matter, but you know, as, as a guy that three years ago, I, I don't know, everything's relative. I'm sort of sitting here like, Holy crap, man. It's amazing how much money 
it takes to scale a business and how much you can scale a business if you can get the money. Exactly. And I always tell people that it never ends, by the way. I mean, we're at a point where a lot of people might think, oh, they could back off. No, quite the contrary. We're doubling down because, you know, Richard Branson actually said, I don't know if you've read this quote. If not, you should add it to your marketing because it's perfect. He said, the number one responsibility of an entrepreneur is raising capital all the time from friends, from family, from partners, from investors, even from your customers. Selling product is not selling product. Selling product is raising capital. And you should always be thinking that way as an entrepreneur. That's a Richard Branson. I think it was Richard. That's huge. That's huge. I always tell people, the more you can borrow, the more you can make, right? The more you have access to, the more you can do, the more things you can invest in, the more you can invest into your company, into yourself. Like the more you have, the more you can do. And, um, it's just in business for me, like I've had you know, a variety of different businesses now at age 27. And really it's been a night and day difference for me when I have access to more money. And, you know, a year ago, over a year ago, I never had access to large amounts of money. Never. You know, I was using my own cash. We did have that one loan in the travel business, but aside from that, I had no access to outside money. And then I, you know, I found business credit and I had, I had personal credit cards. Um, and then I found out business credit cards were different and so much more powerful. And so the first reason why they're powerful is because they don't report to your personal credit. So to give you an example, if you get a $40,000 credit card, business credit card, you can turn that credit into cash, put that cash into an investment, max the card out, and that, that utilization won't affect your personal credit. So you can do this over and over and over and over again. And and that's exactly what I'm doing with, with so, so many cards in my hands right now. I'm just getting these massive card limits using this money in many different investments. And then, you know, if you look at it in the standpoint of like, what's the safest way to invest when you have your own money versus the bank's money, it's so much safer to use the bank's money because one, it gives you more time to pay it back because it's 0% interest for 12 months. Then you can balance transfer multiple times. Right. So it gives you more time to pay it back, which is obviously valuable Two, if you do run into a, like an oh crap scenario and you can't pay it back and it goes to collections, you know, there are ways and laws that protect consumers against that kind of stuff. And there are ways to get that debt removed from your credit file. Obviously that's the worst case scenario, but when you look at that scenario, it is so much better and so much safer than using your own money. Hey, sorry for the interruption. I just wanted to let you know, you can get a free copy of my book, The Millionaire Shortcut, which shows you the fastest way to become a millionaire in the new economy. And there's a special link just for this episode in the description. So thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, I mean, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> and this is, this is like, it's funny, you know, for me as, you know, with Entre Institute, we have thousands of people coming in and they like want to learn to build a business, right? They want to become an entrepreneur. And, you know, there's a few sort of psychological hurdles that people have to overcome to transition from, let's call it civilian life to entrepreneur life, right? Which yeah. is like extreme personal accountability, extreme ownership of results for better or for worse, and some very different attitudes around money, including very different attitudes around debt, right? Um, that, you know, really, really learning to love good debt. I mean, learning to love good debt the way you love, if you're a living organism, you love blood because it moves your oxygen. I mean, it's that level of love, right? And um, it's really hard for a lot of people. I mean, that's one of the biggest things we help people understand is you, I, have, I had to build an entire 
module in our training, reteaching people how to think about money because there's such strict, I would say, outdated attitudes in the modern world around debt. Wow. Yeah. And, um, you, you know, and so you, I mean, t- tell me if I'm wrong, but you kind of landed on, you know, you built a business, you sold a business, you built another business. I don't know, you know, if you sold it or what, but you're kind of at this point now where you realize like your magical power is actually getting the capital and you're teaching other people how to do that. Is that right? hundred percent. I think it's like people just need to be shown how to access it. And I've, I've cracked the code. I figured out how to become attractive to banks. And there's a lot of different ways you can do that. And once you become attractive to banks, then it's just easy to get card approvals. Like I'm getting card approvals every week. I just got a 40K card approval two weeks ago. I got a $100,000 card approval this last week. And I'm putting that $100,000 on my e-commerce store. And then, you know, just transferring my, all my other credit over to other investors. Yeah other businesses. It's amazing. And I think when you think about financing a business, there's really four ways, right? So you can finance your business with your own money, which as I previously talked about, I don't think that's the best idea, in my opinion. The second way is to bring on an equity partner, where you give someone equity, and they bring the money, but then you're giving away equity, giving away possibly control. The third way is through a business loan. And business loans are expensive, 10, 20% interest, um, you know, very common. You're paying so much in interest. doesn't make sense. The fourth way, my favorite way, is just to finance your business through 0% interest business cards. And it's, so it's 0% for anyone that doesn't know, 0% interest for the introductory period. It might be nine months, 12 months, even up to 20 months on some cards. And then even if you can't pay it back in that time frame, you then balance transfer to another card. So in this scenario, you're borrowing money for free. You're keeping all the equity which can make all the difference in the world. Yeah. So, okay. So you mentioned, I mean, it sounds like, well, I guess there's two things. One is the goal is not to get a bunch of credit so you can just live off the credit and then eventually run out of runway and default and have to get a job. Like yes. you so gotta, you you, the credit is meant to be fuel that's, that's being pumped into a vehicle that, that produces enough return to pay back the credit and to generate life-sustaining income and so so that you got it so you couple the business credit with an actual business i'm curious what do you kind of are you looking for people that already have a business in mind or are you also kind of steering them towards all right here's a business you can create coupled with the credit to pay for your life and give you the freedom i mean there's so there's so much opportunity you know i really one you can invest into your into your own business or you can invest into other people's business like i just had a meeting today this gentleman I met this last weekend, he drills oil wells in Texas and the minimum to invest is $10,000 per oil well. And the expected returns is to make your money back in a 12 month period. So say for example, I help someone get $40,000 in a business credit card. They use that credit, turn it into cash, which I teach people how to do, run through okay. my processor, then use that cash to invest into this oil well company that cash flows thousands of dollars every single month. And now they have a cash flowing asset essentially that they've created with none of their own money uh, with money they borrow for free. Right. And so I, I have many examples like that um, where you can just, you know, create cash flowing assets like that with none of your own money. So essentially it's arbitrage. You're saying, give me money over here at X percent interest rate, which is zero in many cases. And I'll deploy the money over here to generate either passively 12% or 22% or 6% or whatever through an oil well or a rental property or whatever, or it could be an active business and maybe it generates a hundred percent return, you know, whatever. 
And then you just, and you're just arbitraging it and you're saying, okay, and then when the credit card comes due, you either pay it back with the returns or as long as you properly maintained your credit and kept the wheels turning, you've got another credit line you can roll the balance to and just keep kicking the can down the road. And, and, and I mean, so on the one hand, this sounds amazing. There's a part of me and, and bear in mind, this is, you know, this is me almost just sort of devil's advocacy because I see the world in pretty abundant terms and I take some risks that most people think are probably crazy. And, you know, I, I guess so far I've gotten the last laugh, so that's cool. But um, to, to some people, at least they would probably say, well, that sounds like a recipe for disaster. Like you're just building this house of cards. But I mean, you and I both know at the end of the day, it comes down to personal integrity. You either manage it responsibly or you don't. But how do you how do you deal with that? How do you address that concern? And then how do you actually work with people if you do to like not be idiots? I mean, <laughs> business is hard. There's risk in every business. But at the end of the day, it's like, do you want to use your own money or do you want to use someone else's money, which has less risk? You know, so I think it, it really comes down to just analyzing the risk, meeting the good people that I was mentioning before. You yeah. know, go to mastermind events, network, you know, find these good people to partner with. And, you know, make your best judgment. But I think the only way to create financial independence is you have to, you have to put yourself out there. You have to risk things. You have to spend money to make money. And I think if people are not investing, if they're not putting themselves out there, they're, they're not going to create success. They're not going to, you know, some things you fail on. And honestly, a lot of things that I fail on, I embrace because any failure is makes me stronger for the next opportunity. So, you know, don't look at failure as a bad thing. But, you know, go with your best judgment, find the best people that you can find, make sure your contracts are good. And you know, I really think the more money you have access to, the more money you can make. And one thing I will add, Jeff, is when you're using business credit to invest into these things, whether your business or these other investments, I like to put my, my cash into long-term investments. So like cryptocurrency, the stock market, real estate. So while that is appreciating long-term, I'm using the business credit to invest into short-term investments, right? Investments that yeah. are going to make a return in 12, maybe 24 months, because, you know, why not? I can borrow money for free from the bank at 0% interest for 12 months while my cash is in long-term investment. So, you know, while the, the short-term investment is moving forward, at least my cash is still appreciating in the market. You know, so say like you have $10,000 that you could have put in, you know, Bitcoin back in September, and you could have borrowed 10 grand to put into your, your investment. Now you have 20 grand working for you. That 10 grand investment in Bitcoin just turned to like, you know, $60,000. And now this investment is probably going good as well. So it just diversifies your, your risk and gives you more opportunity to make more money. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I, you know, perfect example. I, I have, you know, I own a fair amount of crypto and at least it seems like a lot for me. Some people probably laugh and go, that's nothing, but. I, you know, I, I, I uh, for one, I staked a bunch of it. So I earned like 7% on assets that are growing anyways. And then you can actually, I went ahead and maxed out the leverage you can get in Coinbase anyway. So I can borrow, I have a line of credit against my Bitcoin. There we go. And I don't have, and you're right, man. It's here's the, here's, I think the trap people have, or the, sort of the fallacy of people's thinking is they're like, well, well, what do I need the money for? So I'm not going to, so they're like, well, I'm not going to go proactively get access to capital until I need the capital. But I mean, I'm sure your experience is the same as mine. By the time you need, when you need capital, it's usually too late to secure capital. You should be working on getting access to capital 
when you don't have a pressing need for it, because frankly, if you have a, if you if you have a pressing need for it, whether it's a timeline or a, a sense of lost opportunity, that urgency is usually going to hurt you. You're going to end up paying more because banks and lenders they can literally feel your desperation. You should yeah. be getting it when you don't need it. Yes. So then when you walk into that mastermind or that networking event, you know it's like walking around with a letter of credit. You know that if the right deal happens, you've got that you can play. And you're not, that, you're not you're not sitting there feeling like you're wasting people's time talking about hypotheticals of like, well, tell me what you got, and then I'll go see if I can get the money. Because that that guy at the that guy at every event that he's there, and nobody likes that guy. Hundred percent, Jeff. <laughs> you you have to be prepared, and it takes a lot of time to get to that point. So I think even when people don't have you know things in mind like you're mentioning, it's so important that you you take the actions and prepare yourself so when those opportunities come, you can take advantage. You know, just two guys I met from the mastermind event I, I went to over this weekend. One for the oil wells. I just met with them this morning, probably investing here tomorrow. Another guy manages a, a $10 million Forex fund and you know, the minimum is pretty high. But because I've taken the, you know, the, the actions to prepare myself, I'm able to you know, invest in both opportunities. So, you know, step one is get access to the funding, which, you know, I'm a big advocate of doing that through business credit cards. And then, you know, two, go to these mastermind events and meet people to, you know, to invest with or to partner with. And so, you know, a lot of people, you know, it's, it's sometimes very hard to think of ideas, think of business ideas yeah. or find these good investment opportunities. But those are probably the same people that aren't putting themselves out there and go into these networking events. So, you know, go meet people, go meet investors, um, get access to money. And I think things are going to be a lot easier. Yeah. So, I mean, you're a, you're a globe trotting Uber capitalist, credit leveraging digital nomad like you live in this world where you go to events and you're interfacing with people like you're constantly surrounded by opportunity right like you're not a person that walks around wondering well is there really opportunity out there but and i'm sure you appreciate this same as me that's not actually how most people are most people they're going square down the middle of their lane their whole life every day looks pretty similar they they, they talk to the same 23 people every week nothing new comes in and they in some ways live in in a sense i would say in a deprivation place that they're not even necessarily aware of where it's like opportunity is hard to come by or it's it's rare or opportunity only knocks a couple times a lifetime like no man it's you can go to any event in any major city on any day of the week and there's going to be like 20 guys in a room somewhere who all have multi-million dollar whatever's that they're needing partners or capital or something and you just got to be putting yourself out there and finding those rooms. So, so how do you, A, how do you find those rooms? And B, how do you, what, what's your process for due diligence when you do to make sure you don't end up putting borrowed money into a bad deal? Yeah, I mean, great question, Jeff. So, I mean, to find those rooms, you know, follow people on social media, whether it be YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook that are doing things that you want to do. You know, people that are living the lifestyle that you want to live, follow those people and, you know, take whatever courses or, you know, free resources that they have and start, you know, consuming the content that they put out. And oftentimes when they host events, you know, go to these events. Don't be, don't be scared to pay money to get in the room. I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on courses, on mentorships, on live events, um, you know, just to meet people, right? And through paying, it's basically paying to play, right? You need to pay to get into these rooms. And when, you know, everyone else is paying, it brings a certain demographic of people. 
So I think it's really important you you make it to these events uh, to meet people. And if you can make it to the events, at least you know start following these influencers on on social media and seeing what they're putting out and start you know start buying their courses, right? You need to start thinking like the people that you look up to, right? So find these people that have the life that you want or doing the things that you want in life and start trying to you know replicate what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, it is so crazy how much how much opportunity there is out there. I mean, literally and admittedly, you know, people see my ads and I'm on social media. So it's like, you know, they're like, oh, I should go hit that guy up. I get hit up multiple times a day. Not, not no exaggeration, like 20 plus times a week with deals. And I don't have time to sift through them all and I don't sniff them all out. And frankly, I'm usually doing my own stuff, but like probably half of them are good. You know, there's like, there's probably... I probably see 3000 opportunities a year to make 12% or more safely on my money. Yeah, it's, it's everywhere. And I think one of the questions you asked that I actually forgot to answer was how do you make sure you're putting your money in good hands? Yeah. The due diligence. Like, really like when I invest, I'm not even specifically investing in the business model. I'm investing in the person, yeah. right? So for these two people that I'm investing in like today and tomorrow, you know, I'm investing in the people, right? I hung out with them all weekend. I went to dinners. I went, you know, I got coffee with them the next morning just to talk and, you know, build a friendship. Um, you know, you want to build these relationships with people and the more you trust them, you know, the, the better they're going to take care of you. And so as long as the business model to me makes sense and checks out and it really looks like a good way for me to multiply my money, you know, that, that's fine, but I'm really investing in the person, you know? So go meet people, go, you know, invest to, you know, buy people dinner, you know, go get out there and network. And that, that combination with having access to money is really going to get you far. And what are you, what are you really looking for? I mean, you're not, you know, you, you don't have, although, you know, I wouldn't say this would qualify you regardless, but I mean, it's not like you have an MBA. You didn't, you didn't study biz. You didn't become formally educated in business. You went out and got educated in business the real way, which is getting your ass kicked and figure yes. out the learning, right? So, so you kind of have an assumed knowledge base at this point, but maybe to the person who doesn't, hasn't honed their instincts, what would you say a person should be looking for and filtering against in evaluating deals and or the people behind the deals? Jeff, you have such great questions, man. I think when it comes to that, you just, you really need to, you know, try to spend as much time with that person as you can and look for, you know, traits, character traits that you really admire. You know, you know, like that person being nice to other people, saying that, saying the right things, um, not going back on his word on anything. Um, you know, lo really look for these really admirable character traits, and I think that's where I really find trust with. Yeah, it's so funny. I mean, even I mentioned, you know, we're applying to banks right now for you know pretty big. You know, we're we're these are bigger packages. These aren't like you know, we're not applying for credit cards. I mean, we're applying for like enterprise level strategic banking relationships. And what's crazy to me is how, it's not that they don't care about the numbers, but I would say the numbers are about 25% of what they want to know. Like that's, that's your, your, your cover charge to get in the door to the conversation is to put up some good financials and they go, oh, okay, that looks good. Come on in. Let's talk. Everything else is about the story and the people, what story am I, what's, what is the story that our bank would be becoming a character in, in the story 
and who are the who is the protagonist or protagonists of that story and who are the antagonists in other words what dragons are you slaying what battles are you fighting what problems are you solving that they want to know the stories and i think for us as individual investors we should take note from the banks banks are the best evaluators of risk in the world and if they're primarily obsessed with let's call them the soft qualities the human qualities of the people that they're lending to that's what we should be obsessed with and yet so many of us we get we get enamored with the deal and we for, and we forget about we forget to study the deal maker <laughs> yeah I, I know what you mean man and I think like when you really look at what banks are looking for in in people to lend to they're really looking for people they trust right mm -hmm. and so when when I help people build credit I'm helping them become attractive to the banks and there's a lot of things you have to do to win that trust yeah. You know, one of the, you know, the key things that people don't really realize is you should really have banking relationship with these banks before applying for the business credit cards. So even things like, you know, going to the banks and opening up, you know, business checking accounts, that's absolutely huge. Go open up a business checking account, put some money in the account and start seasoning that account. You know, that's, that's building the relationship with the bank, just like, you know, building a relationship with someone you just met over a meal. You have to season that relationship with the bank. And the longer you do this, the more favorable they're going to treat you. So I'm curious. So like taking the guy, the, you know, again, and I hate the term average because nobody, there's no such thing as the average person because that's the average person is a, is a, is an amalgamation of a bunch of different people anyways. But let's just assume we're talking to Joe average, right? I don't know. Joe average is maybe 42 years old. I'm 42. So I don't know why I rent. Maybe that's not a random number, but. 42 years old has $12,000 in the bank, you know, makes $70,000 a year. And, you know, it's just has a kid and Joe average. Right. But he's not, it's not a sophisticated investor, you know, financially and, and professionally, not a sophisticated person from a bank's perspective. Right. What, what is, what, what's a basic path that Joe average can follow? How long does it take? And what, result can you reasonably expect? And I'm going to qualify this by saying you have a course that I assume teaches this in much more detail, right? I mean, is that right? Your course essentially answers my question in a great amount of detail. So by no means am I expecting you to like share every single nook and cranny of your course, but just at a general level, what can Joe Average actually pull off in what period of time and what's he going to get out of it? And, and how roughly is he going to do it? Hundred percent, great question. I'll, I'll definitely try to be as precise and detailed as possible. It's a really good question. So, before getting the business credit cards, there's a lot of things you have to do on the personal credit side. So, you really want to have at least four primary accounts on the personal credit side, and also a banking relationship with the bank you want to apply for a business card at. So, I always focus on the top tier banks first. This is like Chase Bank, U.S. Bank, and Bank of America. And what you want to do is start doing your personal banking at Chase Bank because they're the heaviest in relationships. And if you have a business, you want to open up a business checking account at these three top banks and start seizing these accounts. And so even if you don't actually have like a business business, at least like file an LLC, that's going to be a consulting business, right? Very broad, very generalized. But because you have this LLC, it's going to allow you to get business credit cards. And even if you don't have a lot of revenue or any revenue, 
you can still get approved for cards based on your estimated revenue as long as your personal credit is strong. And so what I mean by strong is you want to have at least four primary personal accounts. You don't want any late payments. And when you say accounts, you mean credit accounts, like opening consumer credit cards or correct furniture correct. store cards or something. Any retail cards, credit cards, um, auto loan, okay. mortgage, you know, personal accounts like those, at least four. More the better. Um, when it comes to utilization, you want to make sure that's at least under 30%, but ideally under 10%. And then when it comes to actually applying for the cards, you want to make sure you have no more than two hard inquiries on each of the three bureaus. And each bank is going to pull from a different bureau based on your location in the country. So you know, one of the big resources I have is it shows people what banks pull from what bureaus. So part of the, the credit stacking strategy that I have is to really essentially play Tetris with these hard inquiries on the bureaus. So you can get the most amount of cards in, in the shortest period of time. But as long as you kind of fit those general requirements and have the business checking account open with that bank, and ideally you have some money in that account, I would recommend to go into the branch to then apply for the business checking account, or sorry, for the business credit card, at least about a week after you put the money in. And like I said, the more money in the account for sitting, you know, more time, the better. And then always do it in person because online, there's so much credit card fraud that goes on. There's a lot of denials that happen. And then even if you get denied for a card, you don't want to accept that denial. You want to Google Chase reconsideration phone number and you want to call that phone number and you want to ask them to reconsider mm -hmm. the decision. Let them know like, hey, I just got denied for this card. You know, I really, you know, really want to build a relationship with Chase. Can you guys please reconsider the decision? Um, that, that works very well. And even if it doesn't work the first time, you know, politely end the call, call back again, talk to a different rep, do that multiple times. We've seen this work many times where if it doesn't work on the first call, it could work like the fourth, fifth or sixth call. Yeah. And, and I mean, I haven't, I haven't played this game nearly the depth you have, but I have done, you know, for me personally, when I used to have to fund things bootstrappy, you know, I would do card stacking and I remember Googling like what credit bureau does bank of America report to what credit bureau does Zion's bank report to and right. And, you know, as you're applying for credit, you're trying to balance out, you know, who's going to get the, the polls on the credit reports. And, you know, first of all, the thing I want to say is I did my own research and this is all totally legal. Like a lot of people think that sounds like some kind of fraud or brinksmanship. It's just, it's just intelligently using the financial system. hundred percent. And I think like when you're trying to really maximize your benefits, you really want to know what to apply for, when to apply for and how to apply for. So mm -hmm. I kind of went over how to apply for, um, but when to apply for is, is very important. So it really depends on how many personal accounts, personal credit card accounts you have opened in the last six months. Mm -hmm. You don't want to have over two open in the last six months. So generally when I do these credit stacks every quarter, I'm only doing one to two personal cards every quarter because one, it allows me to then apply for more cards sooner because the business accounts don't report to their personal credit. So when you go to other banks, they can't see you just open up that business account. And so when, when I get a $20,000 limit at Chase, when I go to Amex, Amex can't see what Chase just gave me because that business credit card doesn't report to the personal credit, right. they only the personal credit, which is incredible. And so even after we get approved for, you know, like eight cards in one day, 
we then are able to remove some of the inquiries from those open business cards, which is incredible. And that allows us to go for another credit stack um, in about two, three months. Yeah. And so I know that those of you listening on podcasts won't be able to see this, but uh, you know, I'll describe it to you and you can take my word for it. But Jack, yeah, hold up those stacks for us. When you're talking about, turn them sideways. So in Jack's right hand, it looks like he has about three quarters of an inch high pile of cards. In his left hand, he's got about an inch and a half. So we're talking, I mean, I'm eyeballing it, but that's like two, two and a half inches of credit cards there. How many cards is that? Would you say? It's probably like 50 or a hundred somewhere in there. It's probably about 30 realistically. Okay. Yeah. So 30 cards. And you said it's what close to half a million bucks. Half, yeah. 450, just shy of half a million. So I can call Jack and be like, dude, Jack, I got this, you know, I'm buying an apartment complex. We're syndicating it, you know, a uh, hundred grand in you know 12% easy money and you got some method where you're like give me 24 hours and tell me where to wire the money and you can you know liquidate it off a card and you got you're good to go right easy easy the other day i just i wired 30k into um, a forex fund today yeah. i'm wiring some money actually tomorrow into the oil wells and like i'm only doing this because i have good credit and was able to leverage it into business credit like i never had you know this has been the best year for me ever but before this, like I never had access to a lot of money ever. Like I didn't have much money. This is like the first, you know, first time I'm really, you know, doing it at this, at this level. And it's really, for me, it's only been possible through these business credit cards. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, 13 months ago, I got my first business credit card. So in 13 months, I went from zero business cards to getting approved for $450,000 in business credit. So this is really possible for a lot of people. Uh, Will they go faster if they have, you know, decent personal credit? Yes. If they have a business, will they go faster? Yes. But is it possible for most people? Absolutely. So, so let's go back to Joe average then, right? Most people. Yeah. So, so for Joe average to do this, the optimal way, not like the, the fast, let me cut corners in a hurry way, but like the optimal way, how long should he give himself? And, and I say Joe average, it could be Janet average is a he, she, it's not a gender bias thing. Like, Two years? A yeah, year? I mean, what do you think? I mean, between one and two years is very fair. It really depends on what history he already has with the top banks. Like how long has he been banking there? It will determine on how many personal cards he has already yeah. with what limits. Even if he has low limits, there's things you can do that we, we can increase his limits. And it's all about comparable credit. So if you have high limits, it's easier to get other high limits. And even if you have lower limits, where you're using the cards, there's ways to get all of those limits increased, which is going to help you get more cards in the future. Um, it also depends on what you know, kind of revenue he has in the business, what type of business, um, how his business is set up. You know, some businesses are um, much easier to get funding for, like consulting companies, for example, e-commerce stores, for example. Even if you had um, a wholesaling real estate business, instead of um, having the category as real estate for the entity setup, you want to have like marketing agency because right. banks don't want to lend money to a real estate company. They want to lend to a marketing agency, right? And if you're a wholesale company, you're just, you're getting leads for, you know, real estate, real estate deals. So it's all about, you know, all these different things come together. Yeah. And even if you have a new business, you can get a lot of funding for a brand new business. One of the big factors is your history, right? So how long have you had your personal credit cards open for, you know, more age, the better. How long have you been 
at banking, at Chase, at Bank of America, things like that. One thing that took me a long time to realize was you never want to close credit card accounts. Yeah, the yeah. longer you have them open, the better. I never, I didn't know that until like, you know, three, like three, literally two years ago. It was like, you know, honestly, pathetic thinking about that, but I would get these cards, get the massive sign-up bonus. And then after I got the sign-up bonus, I would close them, then get more. So I had this, I had very short history at yeah. first. And then I realized like, okay, you shouldn't actually close them. You should keep them open. So, and even if you have a card that you have an annual fee on and you don't want to pay it, just ask them to downgrade you to the, to the option that where you don't have to pay. So you, you still keep that credit account open. Now you're yeah. just not paying for it. So you can open up a card that's like a premium card that has an annual fee, but usually they waive it the first year and you get all the bonus perks. And then you're saying you can use the card and then before 12 months comes up, just downgrade it from the premium card to the basic card and you keep the credit line. You still got to keep all the perks. And it's so interesting, you know, I think that, that what, what I've learned, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for 26 years now and I've learned this is banks and insurance companies, they're in the people business, but they're in the people data business. And mm. your job as a customer or a, a negotiator, if you think, and I think that's a good way to think of it, as a negotiator with these entities, is to manage, and to the degree you're comfortable with the term, manipulate your data profile so that you fit their models. They don't care. They don't have feelings. They have data, and they have data-driven guidance. And they're saying, okay, how, how many accounts is this person? How long is their average account? What's their credit score? What's their average, you know, uh, average daily balance month over month. And what, you know, in your job, you literally, your job, it's a skill. Like they should teach this in school. They should be teaching eight-year-olds how to start thinking about how to live their life in such a way that it throws off the data set that's going to make them attractive to lenders in 10, 20, 30 years. But obviously they don't teach that stuff, but like that, and it sounds like what you've done is let's say the average person on a scale of one to 10 cares about this stuff at like a two. You decided, hey, for a couple of years, I'm going to care about this at like an eight. And I'm just going to live intelligently with this in mind. And now, almost like a magical power, you just have half a million bucks you can, you can utilize of other people's money, may, mostly just because you cared enough to learn and followed some basic rules. 100%. 100%. You, and, like, if you want to learn something, you have to put yourself out there. And definitely a big needle mover for me and what I was doing, well, one, I was... I was giving, like, once I started learning about it, I started giving people a lot of recommendations. And then once I had more data points to figure out what was working, what wasn't working, I was able to really accelerate with my, with my knowledge base. And then I really found out that a big needle mover in getting approved for top cards with very high limits was to apply for these cards through these high level relationship managers at these top banks. Yeah. So I was you know, it's, it's pretty, it's hard to get, get in contact with these individuals, but I knew they were out there and I worked my way up the ladder with my banking relationships to get to these individuals. And then they were the ones that helped me out with my, with my business credit cards. And then now I am able to get information inside, essentially inside information from these high level bankers about the internal bank rules that they're looking for out of people. And then I relay that you know, to my students that I work with on how to make them this perfect, you know, avatar that the banks are trying to work with. And then I connect them 
And then the relationship manager helps my students get these top cards. So, you know, I'm helping the banks by giving them ideal people to lend to, and I'm helping my students prime themselves right. to be lended to. So it's really a win-win. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. And I mean, just, just what you mentioned about not applying online. I mean, if, if people listen to this whole episode and all they get from that is, hey, from now on, when I apply for credit, I'm not going to go through the online application portals. Like, the, there's at least one person that's going to hear that and their whole life is going to change just from that one takeaway. I can personally say, as somebody who I, you know, has pretty good borrower strength, I've gotten denied for like silly, like the little business, you know, I applied for a business, like a business line of credit at Wells Fargo a year ago. I mean, I think I asked for like 50 grand and they denied me and I'm sitting here like, well, that's stupid. Screw Wells Fargo. I'll just call, you know, I bank a chase. I'll just call them. But in my, what I, what I didn't realize, and you just shed light on is I might've been denied out of the gate because of my IP address. Yes. Or, or, yeah. some, or they're like, well, well, he's on a hot spot and that has a higher risk profile. So we just don't approve applications that are running off of Verizon hotspots or something. hundred percent, Jeff. <laughs> Nailed it on the head. And in that scenario, you know, a lot of times you have to call reconsideration, but you yeah. know, to avoid that, you just go in in person. You know, they want to make sure they're, they're dealing with the person that's aptly actually, you know, putting their name in on the application. Man, that's so interesting. So I want to ask, I want to ask you how people can get access, more access to you and more access to your course. But first, I want to finish the Joe Average conversation. All right. Okay. So Joe Average, he, he says, okay, I'm going to take two years and I'm going to follow Jack's plan to a T. And let's say when he started, he had like high sixes, maybe 680. That would seem like a Joe Average credit score. Um, and so he, obviously there's probably some training or counseling you do around how to intelligently use cards and pay cards and bump your scores. And so he follows everything to a T, gives himself two years, opens the accounts, makes the relationships, applies the right way, times it all, blah, blah, blah. Realistically, two years, remember, this is a guy making 70 grand a year. After two years of doing what you're suggesting, realistically, how much no interest, admittedly, in a promotional window, it's no interest capital could this guy realistically have access to? I think in two years, $100,000 is extremely realistic. And my, my goal with this, with my program is to help a thousand entrepreneurs get access to $100,000 in credit limits. And I think no credit is not fixable. You know, if someone's under 700, there's something holding it back right. and everything is fixable. If you have late payments, you can get those removed. You have collections, get those removed. Everyone should be above a 700. And that's what I'm doing in the program, helping people get above that 720 mark and get access to the money. So, yeah, it's so anybody you're, I mean, and anybody always is within reason, you know, 100%. Two years, uh, so easy. A lot of people do it in, in a year. You know, if, if you have strong history with these banks and no business cards, you can do it in the first few months. It just really depends on, on what you have so far. And just know that no credit is not fixable. Man, that's okay. That's so cool. All right. I'm sold. Uh, tell us where to go. How do we learn more about your method and, and you know, and get to know you better and not just access your, your method, but also you and your knowledge. Yeah, hundred percent. So my Instagram is King of debt, King of debt on Instagram. I post tons of free content. I got awesome Instagram highlights. I got podcasts um, post on there. You're going to be on there too, Jeff, here soon. Sweet. And I also have a free course. It's 10 videos. It's, that, it's super, super impactful. I put a lot of effort into this mini course. So um, hopefully, Jeff, you can put it in the show notes. 
And then if anyone wants to shoot me a DM um, that, you know, wants to you know, say what up, just um, say free course or just shoot me a DM, say what up. But yeah, give me a follow up toast. I post tons of free content and I would be happy to give you free insight on your credit journey. King of debt. That's cool, man. Cause you, and you just sort of settled down in Miami, right? Is this, you've been out of the States for a while traveling? Yeah. Mexico for four months, Bali for three months last year, Hawaii. So, you know, Miami was calling me a lot of good things yeah. in Miami. Good people. Good. Uh, good. Well, if you're, you're going to be the king of debt, you might as well settle in the kingdom of debt, <laughs> AKA the United States. Right. Exactly. Um, dude. Okay. This is amazing. You know, congrats, by the way, congrats on cracking the code. Um, I mean, getting to live the life, right? I mean, so I'm, I'm curious, this is an aside before we wrap. Is there anybody in your life that's still just like totally skeptical and like, there's no way this is real. There's no way that Jack is not doing something wrong. Like nobody really gets to live like this. It's too good to be true. I mean, I, I don't think so. Cause I like to be very transparent. I like to post all my results on my e-commerce stores, mm -hmm. on my investments. I try to be as transparent as possible. So I, th I don't think there's many people doubting um, what I'm doing right now. At least I hope, I hope not. Well, they're not, they're just not telling you. There's always people that, yeah, they don't believe that life can actually be that good. You know? Yeah. My goal is just, I try to, you know, teach people on how to do similar things. You know, anyone can do this kind of stuff. You just got to know the way. So I'm a big advocate investing into education, investing into networking and really just putting myself out there, you know? So um, I really encourage a lot of people to, you know, shoot me a follow, shoot me a DM, go through all my free content, check the free course out. It's super, super actionable on like what you can do today to build your credit. And of course I have the full program. It's called credit stacking. Awesome. Awesome program. This is for, you know, anyone that wants to build their credit, take advantage of travel hacks, which we didn't even talk about. I did all yeah. my traveling all through these, the travel perks through the credit cards. It's amazing. Um, but for entrepreneurs, my program can change lives, you know, help give you guys access to hundreds of thousands of dollars. So um, yeah, hope to be you know, talking and working with some of you guys soon. So cool, man. Want to live like Jack, learn from Jack, do what Jack does. <laughs> um, okay, man. Thanks for being a guest on Millionaire Secrets. I'm sorry. I know we both have to go, but this is so, I can literally talk credit and debt for hours. I just think this stuff is so interesting. It's such a life hack. It's like, it's like the cheat code to the world, honestly. It really is. It really is, man. I'm, I love it, man. And Jeff, I really appreciate you having me on the show today. It's been an absolute blast and honor. So thanks again. Cool. Yeah, of course, man. And uh, to all you viewers and listeners out there, as I always say, you are the best part of this show. You're why I do what I do every day of my life. And I'm so grateful for your attention and interest. And I'll see you on the next episode, everyone. Take care. You just finished this episode of the Millionaire Secrets Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share this episode and do leave us a review. Let us know how we impacted you today. Your next step toward creating your awesome life is to join me and thousands of others in the Entra Nation community where you'll receive free training, networking with other awesome life seekers, access to live events, discounts, merchandise, and other awesome perks. Head over to www.entranation.com. That is www.entrenation.com and join us today. And of course, do please follow me on social media. I can be found on all the major social networks at Jeff Lerner Official. Thank you again for listening and please go be awesome.